it can feel really hard to be disciplined early on when you don't have a lot of followers because like you're talking to a small amount of people you're not getting a lot of engagement you feel a little bit like you're talking into the wind sort of thing but like that consistently builds you're listening to every successful rancher a rural lifestyle and business podcast for women of the west i'm sarah elrod your host serial entrepreneur and small town homemaker i started this podcast based on an old saying my husband once told me that behind every successful rancher is his wife that works in town. Around here, you can expect a perfect mix of Western living, homemaking, and business strategies to grow your brand online. Get ready for the real, the raw, and the rural. Welcome to Every Successful Rancher. Well, I'm super excited to talk with you, especially after going through all your social media pages and just learning more about like what you do. I think it's so cool. And I'm so excited yeah. to learn more about how you've grown and, and things that have worked for you and, and just how you got started in this whole thing. So for anybody yeah. who is listening and doesn't know about you and what you do, do you want to just kind of give us a little brief introduction? Yeah. So my name's Alex. My husband and I run a flower farm in Northeast Oklahoma. We're a second year flower farm and we grow market bouquets from our roadside stand. That's how we sell. And so my husband helps me. We've got four children that I homeschool. So we'll probably get into it about, you know, boundaries and life and running a business when you have other priorities that can't intermix, but my husband served in the Air Force for 20 years. And so we moved all over the country. And when you're in the military, you have to move every two or three years. And so I had a lot of like raised garden beds and pot plants. Mm -hmm. But finally, when he was gonna retire, I was like, we wanna do this and I wanna do permanent things. And so we ended up in Oklahoma and we planted permanent things and I'm not moving again. <laughs> You're like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> it's, the, it's the life summary. <laughs> I love that. You're like, we are done moving. I will permanently yeah. put things in the ground. <laughs> yeah. This is like house number six or seven, I think. And I'm like, oh, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's a lot of moving and there's definitely, I feel like a season because there was a season in my life where we moved a lot and it's like fun at first and you're like oh this is so cool like I'm just this nomad that's just always on the go and then it gets old very fast <laughs> like if I have to pack this dishware one more time yeah I'm, yeah we're it's done first. it's it's actually the worst um yeah. so four kids you must be super busy yeah. <laughs> uh have three you guys always wanted school age they're all homeschool oh three year homeschool age Three are home. I mean, the three-year-old is pretend homeschool, so he feels involved, but three of them are school age. <laughs> That's cool. Did you guys always think you wanted a bigger family? Because in today's day and age, it's kind of a lot of kids. I mean, before I got married, I thought like the standard two, maybe. But then when I got married, it was, I want all the babies. I would love more babies, but who knows? But four is, it's a handful. It's definitely on the bigger end, like you said, but I just love it. I love it. Homeschool will be a challenge with all the ages and grades and stuff, but it's what we want to do. And I think once you get used to it and you just accept like the big family crazy, it becomes more joyful than if you're trying to take like a big homeschool family and put it into like a two kid family in a suburban environment. Mm. It's, it's, it's just a different thing. I don't, each kid doesn't have 16 extracurriculars that we go to, like, that's just off the table. And that's really freeing to be like, that's just not our gig. We're yeah. not doing that. I'm not a chauffeur. Yeah. Um, and so it's just different that like more rural life pace. That's yeah. That's cool. Is this your 
have you homeschooled? Have you always homeschooled or are you new to homeschooling? So I have a four, my oldest is in fourth grade and one of her years, she was in a private school, but other than that, she's been homeschooled. So it's pretty much just homeschool. What made you decide to homeschool versus public school? Public school is, so we're believers, we're Christians. And I just, I didn't feel like I could out teach some of the values and the stuff that's going on in the homeschools. And I just didn't think, you know, you have my children for seven to eight hours a day and I have breakfast and dinner and bedtime. And that's not enough to raise them in the way that we want in their faith and just culturally and our values. And so then it became either private school or homeschool. And then with private school, it was still, I was having a hard time with the idea of like waving goodbye to the kids and be like, see you like my little kindergartner. My little five-year-old, like, see you in seven hours, you know, is like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, I can see us maybe sending the older kids to a private school, like for middle school and high school, but for the tender elementary ages, I want to do it. And the reality of homeschool is it doesn't take, it takes a fraction of the time. I mean, our homeschool day for my kindergartner, he was done in an hour. The second grader took two hours due to misbehavior and focus. And then the fourth grader does a lot on her own. And it's like, that's it. And then we went on a play date. We went and got our raw milk for the week. We played outside. They went swimming. We did a project. None of those things happen in your like standard school environment, or you have to cram it all in on a Saturday or a Sunday. And then that becomes really stressful because you feel like you have to make up for all this time. And I was like, well, why are we doing that when they're little? I mean, I can teach second grade. Like I can do it. I don't need a degree. I can handle phonics because I can read so I can handle phonics it's okay you know we did math today and it was like six minus three can do it I got to handle it yeah maybe like when we're in algebra I hand it off to someone but for now I know I love that I think and I, I just totally relate to I feel like I relate to you in a lot of ways because we're talking about homeschooling too um when our son gets to be that age because kind of the same thing I mean he just turned one but I had thought because he, you know, as we're going through the months or whatever, and I I knew I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, which is part of the reason why I did like a business and all the things. But yeah. um, it's like I we got to a like a certain age where I think it was what, like when he turned two months or three months. And I was like, if I was just working like a normal nine to five job or something, like this would be when my maternity leave would be over and he would need to go to like daycare. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around, like you said, like saying goodbye, like dropping off this little baby with somebody else and not seeing him all day long. Like I, and it just made me so grateful that I don't have to do that. And I mean, more power to you if you, you know, do that and all the things, but I just, I was like this, that's not for me. I could not do that. And I feel like I'll be the same way when he hits kindergarten age. Like I can't, how am I supposed to say goodbye to you? (laughs) like watch you leave (laughs) no it's so true I mean I believe firmly that the Lord gave my children to me and my husband to raise them and not to give that away you know 40 60 percent of that time to someone else it's our responsibility and I want to do it joyfully and it's fun it's not a burden I'm not I'm not counting down the days until like they're out and away from my house it's like I I get FOMO like if I'm gone for a couple hours it's like what were you doing like what did I miss that sort of thing and also with the like the the business aspect and the flower farming aspect is like I call it a family farm because I do I do truly hope that this business is built with their joyful labor as well and it's not something where I need to hire employees I have three boys and a girl and if I raise them 
with, you know, teaching them hard work and how to run a business and entrepreneurial spirit and just being excited when they make a sale and that sort of thing. I have extra help and then I do it with them because I was thinking, for example, the beginning of April is tulip season on our farm and we are planting over 7,000 tulips in November to sell in April. I can't harvest 7,000 tulips all by myself and my yeah. husband has a full-time desk job and my daughter knows how to harvest tulips. She knows how to process them for the cooler. She knows how to help me make bouquets. And I couldn't do that if she was at school all day and I'm out there doing it. It's like, she's going to be there with me. My boys are going to be washing buckets and pulling wagons and taking stuff to the compost pile. And it's like, we're doing it together. It's not this bifurcated, like mommy's side hustle that's truly so on the side that there's no interaction or intersection. It's a cooperative affair that they get excited about. And then therefore they don't become resentful, you know, like this gets all of her attention. And now I'm acting out to try to get attention and stuff. It's like, how can I bring them into it? So they feel invested in what we're doing. And even if that means like I'm out doing some job. And so I set up the Duplo blocks on a mat next to me and the three-year-old builds forts and towers, but he's there. It's not like sit over here with the iPad. I have to go do something that you're not involved in mm -hmm. that I don't think is going to be a good long-term solution for us to just not get burnt out and to have it be a really fond memory that they look back on. Mm, that's so cool. I, I love the idea of bringing your kids into the business and making it more than just, like you said, mommy's side hustle, something that mommy does. Like it's it's a family thing. It's your guys's lifestyle. It's more than just, you know, a job. It's, it's just what you guys do. It's how your family makes a living. And I think that's really cool to incorporate your kids into that. Cause like you said, it will teach them so many important skills that you don't learn in school and just having that hands-on work experience and hard work. And I think the like feeling that they'll get of knowing, like I did that, like I helped with this, like that's such a good thing yeah. for kids to experience that not a lot of kids get to do in, you know, most situations. Yeah. So I think that's really, really cool. So I know you said you guys were, you know, doing, he was, your husband was in the military, you were moving a lot. And then when he finally retired, you planted roots and decided to start this and really make this a business. What, what made you decide on flowers specifically? And what kind of like, what was kind of that process? What did that look like for you in those early stages? So my mom is one of those like magical green thumbs. I mean, I don't really believe in green thumbs because it's just a lot of like hard work and learning. It's not without skill. But I say that because growing up, the gardens and property was always magical. There was always okay in the house. Everything looked wonderful. She didn't directly teach me a lot of it because I was just that teenager that like did not have time for like mom's skill set. I was off playing volleyball and doing other things, but I observationally just saw how wonderful it was. And so then once I became an adult and I had my own place and then got married, I was like, well, I want a garden. Like, how do I do this? And so it's kind of funny if I look back in pictures that each of our houses in the military, my garden got bigger and I got better at growing things. So like at our first house, it was like, I grew like one flower or two flowers and I was like this is the this is the peak this is incredible <laughs> and then the next house it's like I got a raised bed and then the next house I got like four raised beds and so I built my skill set just as like a fun thing to do to make our house beautiful and just be a hobby and interest 
And I realized I was actually really good at it and I really enjoyed it. And my husband, after serving the government for so long, he was like, I want to own my own business. I want to do something entrepreneurial. I want it to be us and something we do. And so we just figured like the best collab would be like, let's take all of my growing knowledge and then take his business. And he's a, he's a beautiful, he's a wonderful creative mind. And he does all of our editing for our YouTube channel. And so it's like, let's take those skill sets and merge them and the flower farming thing. And when we started, we kind of were like, we've heard about flower farms, let's try it. And so year one went decently well. We really enjoyed it. We learned a ton of things, but year two, which we're in now, we've just, I mean, we've quadrupled our sales from last year. Like we've really like rocket launched into like, this is going really well. And we're really leaning into it of this could be the type of thing that in the future he's not having to work his desk job this can be a full-time thing which would be incredible mm-hmm. to reach that that point that's that's really cool so I have so many questions that I want to ask you I'm like yeah trying to organize my brain but um <laughs> so you guys live rurally and how what's that like around where you guys live is I mean is growing flowers something that is something that you guys specifically do to other people around you do it is what's like your competition like (laughs) yeah well so it's funny because I mean oh this is a little bit of hyperbole but when we decided to move to Oklahoma it was kind of like we put a pin in the map and we were like let's just move here like it looks pretty it's conservative let's just do it. Cause I wasn't going to move home to California. I didn't want to move to the East coast where his family is because in that minute, my family had to travel the whole country to see us all the time. So we were kind of like Habsies. That's a red state that we can do a flower farm, you know, so it couldn't be like South Dakota or something, you know what I mean? And we were like here. And so the airport we fly into is Tulsa, but we are 45 minutes from Tulsa. So we're not Metro Tulsa at all. We're pretty far out. And as we're talking, we're surrounded by a 78 acre, 75 acre cattle ranch. There's a bunch of cows that I'm looking at right there. And that's, we learned pretty much what everyone does around here. You're either like a self-sufficient homestead or you run cattle or other animals as part of your business mm-hmm. and growing flowers here is actually really hard it's not really? it's not like yeah it's not like a magical Michigan or Wisconsin where everything is just like so lush and beautiful and you could just put tulips in the ground and they'll come back up every year and I mean I understand you have to work hard in any growing environment but it yeah the bug pressure I describe it as like biblical Egypt I mean I have every single bug and they're massive I mean our, our grasshoppers are like this big. I mean, it's awful. So that was a challenge, but the blessing in that is it's not easy. And so unlike a place maybe in the Midwest or the Northeast where people will have more beautiful gardens culturally. And so you have to reach a higher threshold to convince them to buy your flowers because you have your own flowers in the backyard. Most people here don't have gardens or they don't spend their time and resources on flowers because it's going towards the animals pretty much it's like the joke here you know is like I came home with another sheep and my husband rolls his eyes you know I bought another goat and that's what you do it's not like an indulgent you know I built a bigger garden or I bought you know a bunch of roses or something it's just like I got another donkey I got another so I'm like this very strange stick out 
business, which I have to work hard for it, but it's actually really great. The downside is, and this happens with everyone and it's not unique, is like I'm doing really well. And so there's a lot of like pop-ups that are going to start, mm-hmm. you know, and they're getting inspired. Like I can't be offended by that of being like, this looks really cool and fun. I want to try too. But yeah. then it also just kind of, kind of lights the fire to be like, well, I have to keep keep going, going. or else there's going to be. Yeah. That's crazy. So, well, first off, it's so wild that I didn't realize you guys weren't from Oklahoma, but I did notice that you didn't have like a, like a thick Southern accent or something. So I was like, I wonder if no. they're from there. <laughs> so no, I'll say like California words. Sometimes I'll say like hella or something, or I say dude a lot. And people are like, what is that? <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Being from California myself, I also say everything is dude. <laughs> everything. <Okay>. Is- <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. I mean, that's like a big move and I'm sure a little bit of culture shock, especially if you're not used to like living rurally, then that can definitely be um, like a big change in just a different part of the country. And I never would have I don't know, I guess in my brain, like you think the weather is so nice down in the South, but I never would have thought about like the bugs being such a, I, I, and I mean, I know bugs are bad down there, but I never would have like put two and two together and thought that that'd be bad for flower farming, but that makes sense. My, I, my brother actually moved to Texas, um, like two years ago and they, every time I'd go to visit, they basically would say like, you have to watch out, like walking through the grass, like barefoot, because I think they're called chiggers or something there's like little it's like a land mosquito I'm like what like excuse me what wild um yeah like that was I mean I'm I'm clearly a fish out of water here but it's one of those things where like I'm not trying to stay different like I fully want to lean into identifying as living in Oklahoma and like I want to learn the culture I want to fit in like it's so funny. Like everyone has chickens here and we don't have any animals. And like the idea of getting chickens is terrifying to me yet I can grow anything. And so it's like a lopsided, like I talked to all these wonderful women and they're just like, I don't know how to grow a flower. I don't know what that is, but they can do all these amazing ranching things that I'm like, I'm nervous about getting chickens. And people are like, what? You don't have chickens. Like what is wrong with you? So we're fully leaning into it. Like we're going to get chickens. We're going to learn. We're going to be like, we're part of this community. We're not trying to be like California and Oklahoma. Like I want to be, you know, I'm five, 10 years. I want to be like, this is my home. I know the lingo. I know the culture. I'm I'm learning the skill sets that all these other women have and connect with our community our like forever community that way. Yeah. Good for you guys. So are your, I know you guys have like a, you, you sell like on the side of the road, right? Like a little roadside stand Mm -hmm. kind of situation. Is that how, is that the only place you sell or do you guys do other things or what's kind of that process look like? So you grow the flowers and then, then what? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. So the way our property is set up is we're on two and a half acres and like most of that laterally is road is like road frontage and we're on technically a country road but it's like one of the busiest country roads in our area so it's a big thoroughfare and you can see our property and so we purposely for marketing we put the farm in front of the house like it is our front property and the reason for that is like everyone's driving by can see the flower farm and they're going to ask like what is that? What's going on? And now in town, everyone's like, oh, you live at the flower house. You, and so it's like, 
it's a, I don't know, you could even call it like passive marketing. It's like, I'm not even doing anything. I'm just existing and people are seeing it and they're noticing it. But then what we did is we built our flower stand in front of the field. So it's still on our property, but it's kind of like next to the road. And we call it our drive-through because they come in one cattle gate and then they can stop and they stop in front of the flower farm. So they can see, I'm looking at the flowers. That's the plant they came from. This is so neat. And then they drive out another gate. So it helps with traffic flow and stuff. But what we've tried to do is, you know, you can pick up flowers at Walmart, but those flew 7,000 miles and mm -hmm. they're covered in pesticides. And you're just like quickly grabbing them in the produce section. And that's a really disconnected experience from like the life of that plant and how it came to be in your hand. And so with our farm, we wanted it to be a fun experience not just like I picked up a bouquet at a coffee shop or I picked up a bouquet at the grocery store that's not wrong I mean sometimes it's just what you got to do for your little pick me up and that's what husband grabs when he's also grabbing you know a beer run and whatever like that's that's what happens but we want to be the farm where it's like on Saturday morning mom makes her coffee loads the kids in the car I'm driving to the flower farm because I want to see the flower farm I want to take pictures of the flower farm and then I wouldn't get my flowers and head home and I might even like see me and like see Alex and talk to her and it's an experience that goes with the flowers and it's not just like the like flash and dash that I think a lot of like floral experiences are and so we're just a roadside stand but because it's so experiential we move four figures each week through that stand because I think it's I think it's just been really fun like the fields are constantly changing they want pictures the kids are getting really into it and other people are like meeting each other and like chatting and they're talking about the bouquets and they're like oh look at that one or I love this one last week and it's become more an event like sometimes ladies I know are starting to send their husbands so I'm getting used to seeing like certain cars because he comes and gets her flowers every Saturday morning and he knows the routine so it's really like man friendly it's not like overly girly that like you know the man in the pickup truck can just flash through and get the flowers and get out of there mm -hmm. sort of thing <laughs> and so yeah it's like I would say we just sell at our flower stand but we sell a lot from our flower stand is, is how it's going that's crazy I wow and I think the fact like everything you touched on about making an experience I think is so important and experience is everything. I mean, it's so much more than just what you sell. I mean, your flowers are beautiful. Clearly you have some sitting right there and, you know, on all your social media and everything, like you guys do an amazing job, but I really think it is like, you don't even have to have the best flowers in all the land. Like if you can make people feel something and give them that experience, like that is what people keep coming back for. It's, you know, the, all of that part of it, I think is so important with, with any kind of business, but um, that's really, that's really unique to hear from a, a business that is so in-person like that, um, where you have people physically coming to you and in a rural town, I think it's cool to hear that you're, so successful, um, living in a small town and you're, you're very like niche market. And I just, I yeah. love hearing that you're, you're all this hard work that's going into it and your thought process behind everything. And you're so intentional about every little move that you've made. And I, I love that. I love hearing how other business owners like minds operate. I think it's really cool. So I've been like binge listening to all your podcasts and stuff, because up until now, a lot of my marketing was just kind of like intuition or just like just showing up every day and just like observing what works. 
But now that things are like really launching, I'm like, okay, like I want to take it to the next level and start learning a bit more of like the terms and the categories and like, how can I go from like JV to varsity and stuff. And so as I was preparing to talk with you, I was thinking like, what makes my product unique that maybe isn't such an apples to apples fit with a lot mm -hmm. of people. And I realized like the biggest thing for me that's very different for a flower farmer is I'm not... I don't have like an e-commerce site where like I've created the product and it sits in inventory online. And then I get to spend like my week or my time trying to get people to click like add to cart and go through the checkout process. Like my window is a perishable product mm -hmm. that people have to physically get in their car, come to me, give me the money for in a five hour window or that product goes in the trash. Like that's my, like, that's what it is. Like I harvest the flowers Friday. This stand is open Saturday. If they don't sell, it's expensive compost. So like my window of how I have to market my customers is like, I need them to make an action in a very short period of time. And that's, and that's it, or it's a loss to me. It doesn't just get to sit and wait, you know, until the next person adds to cart. And that's been a unique, that's a unique challenge in the flower farming world is like, how do you get people incentivized to buy in that short window that the product's available? Okay, so it's a new year and I really don't think that there is a better time to finally get a grip on your content for this year as either a business owner or a brand. The fact of the matter is you need to be posting content consistently in order to grow online, but that's so much easier said than done, right? And in fact, I ran into this exact problem and totally burnt myself out trying to come up with so much content across all my platforms, like writing captions that are actually meaningful and then choosing a good photo to go with it. It, like oof it was such a struggle and truth be told it's probably one of the most common mistakes that I see other brands making as well so they want to get out of the rat race they want to start making an income online but they're just not good at posting the way that they should be so I decided to build something that would help fix this issue that could help anyone in any kind of industry or business but obviously with a focus on my rural and western girlies so I created the social herd a content resource membership that has everything you need to show up consistently online, create posts that convert followers into paying clients, and just take the stress of coming up with what to post on a daily basis off your plate. Inside of the social herd, you have access to hundreds of caption templates, Western stock images, graphics, templates, and trainings to further your education in online marketing. It's basically like having a social media manager in your pocket or at your disposal at any given time. For less than what you would pay for one Starbucks drink a week, you can join the membership today. But that's not all. Social Herd also offers an affiliate program for members, meaning you can get one other person to sign up through your link and then your membership for that month would be paid for. And from there, the more signups you get is just free money in your pocket. You can literally make money while getting top tier social media marketing resources sent to you every single month. So what you waiting for? Head on over to sarahelrod.com slash social herd for all the info and to join. I'll see you in there. That's honestly such a good point. And I didn't think about that. So you guys sell one day a week. It's just Saturday. One day a week. We open at 9am and then we're open until sellout and sellout usually happens within like two and a half hours, three hours. Wow. So it's like, that's I mean, last time, last uh, Saturday was our first non-sellout. 
but it's August and everyone's hot and over it. So I kind of expected it, but that's wild. So yeah, I mean, that really does. I mean, you bring up such a good point that that presents like such a unique business model where you are selling something that is perishable in a short amount of time. And like you said, if you don't sell that one day, then it's compost. And I think that's, that really is unique. And your, your marketing has to be so strategic and so spot on to get people to come. And then, but I think that also shows like the importance or, or the value in like urgency kind of marketing. Cause I feel like even with people that don't have necessarily like non-perishable items, that urgency of like, you know, time's running out, like something, this is going away, um, can really get people to kind of take that next step. Um, and so I think you just like have really, you have to, you're kind of in a situation where you have to play into that. Um, so that's really, that's really unique. And yeah, there's not a ton of business models, even with food. I mean, I guess some food it's, it's kind of the same thing, but I mean, food you can save, like, you know, it doesn't always necessarily like totally go bad right away. So, um, that's a really good point. Um, and, and really interesting. So I know you guys like say, like you're really big into social media and you, you have a good presence on social media. You have a YouTube channel that's really successful. What made you lean into, um, social media in general, but I definitely want to dive into your YouTube because I haven't talked to too many people that are like super active on YouTube. So I'm curious, like how that all got started for you. Yeah. So I was thinking like in general with flower farming and back to kind of like the urgency, that's a really great, that's like the proper title to put on it. Like I said, yeah. I'm trying to learn, you know, the lingo, cause it's really valuable to communicate what I'm trying to do. And like the urgency marketing is pretty much like my whole gig and mm -hmm. I'm selling like a lot of people, I'm selling a very luxury product. Like you don't, you need you need beef, you need eggs, you need milk. You don't necessarily need a $20 bouquet every week. So I'm selling a luxury product in an urgent manner. And so I need people heavily emotionally invested in what the product does for them. And then also just the experience and our family farm. And so it's a very emotive storytelling that I'm trying to do. Mm. And I was thinking like, well, what's the best way you do that? And like, why are people on social media? And like most people are on social media, not because there's like, seeking like this high educational experience but like they want to stalk they want to lurk they want to like see behind the curtain they want you know you want to be able to like open up your favorite creator and like instantly have content to consume you're just like what are they up to what's the behind the scenes what did they do today and like well of course like I feel like every female that's normal is like I want to talk about like a flower farmer like oh my gosh what is that like like that just must be beautiful all the time like that's incredible I want to see constantly what you're doing. And so I just wanted to lean in fully to like, what are all the media options that we can use to show our story and our behind the scenes and just make it really beautiful. And like, I want to be, I want that product. I want to see what they're doing. I want to come visit them and be attached to us in that way, because they just have so much of us, so to speak, that they can consume. And there's not a lot of flower farmers on YouTube. So like Instagram is like flower farming, mecca like there's just there's some incredible accounts you can follow for some of the most beautiful photography like the biggest farms in the country awesome i mean i'm on instagram but like i can't compete per se in the like beautiful photo contest mm -hmm. you know if i'm trying to distinguish yeah. myself but on youtube there is an opening there there's only a couple bigger flower farming channels and they're very different so i think that's why they're popular but there's not a lot of startup flower farms on YouTube of like, let's 
not show you like what veteran, like a veteran farm looks like a five year, six year farm that's pulling in six figures and just show you like that. It's beautiful to look at, but it almost becomes not aspirational because it feels unattainable. It's just like you have employees, you have like this massive event barn and all these structures and all this. And you're just looking at it and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, but I could never. Yeah. But with us, we were like, well, we're going to try to figure this out. We want to try to be a successful, profitable farm. Let's just kind of like roll the tape, if you will. Like, let's just record it all, share what we're doing, share our thought process, why we make certain decisions, why we grow certain things. What do our fields look like? What come along while I harvest and make the case? What does it look like to be a flower bouquet? Like, what is your process? Like, what do you, how do you even do that? And it's like, well, we film all of it and we share all of it. And the hope with YouTube is it's not just like this technical educational, how to be a flower farmer, like cut the flower at this level and plant this seed at this depth. It's not that kind of thing. It's more like you can learn some stuff if you're a new flower farmer educationally, or if you can't grow anything, but you just want like a peek inside it's beautiful and awesome. And it's also visually, I think, really well done. My husband spends a lot of time on edits. So we only do like one or two videos a week because they're a longer form. They're much more edited with the music and the videography and the drone footage and all of that. So it's not like your standard kind of like pick up the camera vlog. We're wanting it to be something where it's like once a week you get excited about our video to like sit down and watch it almost like you would a show. Yeah. Instead of, you know, maybe like what an Instagram story would be where like you're walking and talking to the camera and it's like a quick check-in. We want this to be like a longer form entertainment that reaches a broader audience than like just bar farmers or just our customers in Oklahoma. So we were like, let's just try to do it. Like roll the camera, let's film trying to build a profitable flower farm from nothing. Yeah. Well, and it's such a good point of starting this channel before you guys are you know this huge gigantic operation like you are starting from the beginning and you're showing people what it's like to build this business and and to grow and and learn as you go and all the things and I feel like that's something that more people need to understand is I mean that stuff people just eat it up like they want to see people learning how to do things and watch the process. They don't just want to see those final products. They want all of that behind the scenes and and to to be in it with you and it it connects them to you. And and it like you said, you mentioned storytelling. I think that's so important when it comes to building this brand because you also touched on the fact that you're selling a luxury item and and that was another good point and and something that is so unique about what you're selling is you're selling something that is you know, you have to sell it urgently and it's something that people don't need, like you said. And so that's such a, that puts you in such an interesting situation for your marketing and how you're going to present it. And you really do have to go about it by creating emotion within people and, and having a connection with them. I feel like that's what really is going to, you know, helps people come to you is, is they fall in love with you guys too. It's not just your product. It's, it's everything that you are and, and that you have and that you show and, that's so cool. Just your story in general, I think people can really connect with. And so I love that. And your husband does a really great job on all the videos. <laughs> They're really, Thank you. I tell him. really well. <laughs> he does it all at night when I'm sleeping. I just see the final product when I wake up. It just appears. Better. You're like, yeah, honey, yeah. you do your thing. <laughs> great job. Yeah, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> no. Exactly. Yeah, Chris Jenner. That's right. I know it's it's really awesome. And 
I I just yeah I think YouTube is kind of this hidden gem that a lot of people are not taking advantage of we kind of did the same thing and frankly I need to hammer down on my YouTube channel even more but we have one that I have one for like the podcast where I'll share like video clips and stuff but I have we have another one for our family that we kind of would just share kind of similar things like just behind the scenes of our lifestyle just living rurally and just very basic here's my daily life um you know whatever yeah. And I mean, I think we're over a thousand followers or subscribers now. And I mean, I feel like I've barely anything into, you know, I I haven't even done that much with it, but it just kind of shows me like, okay, we were able to like grow this much where I feel like I really wasn't even like doing anything. I literally posted a video of like a cow and us just standing there, like whatever on our property. And it got so many views. you're like what (laughs) yeah like why (laughs) I don't know and basically we're just vlogging I mean that's that's really all it is but it's yeah I mean people love that behind the scenes look and just building that brand and and getting more interest into just your lifestyle and and showing that behind the scenes I think that's super cool and I'm so glad you guys have like leaned into um YouTube and, and just really seen the benefits of social media do you feel like they have that has helped your like in person like people come to you because obviously you are rural so it's mostly locals I'm assuming that are coming to you do you feel like it has helped business in that sense or just maybe other ways or what do you feel like social media has given you the most so with YouTube so the way I would describe it is like Facebook is my customers Instagram is my fans and YouTube is like a combo thereof. So mm. for my customers on YouTube, I think all it's doing is increasing their attachment to our story because they're just seeing more of it. So I don't think that like someone who doesn't know us at all comes across our video and then that translates to a bouquet sale. Mm. I don't think that's occurring, but people that know about us and find out about our YouTube channel will watch it and then it's we just become like their flower farm and they know our kids and they know Eric and they talk to us when they come and pick up a bouquet and it just increases I think their attachment to the bouquet they're buying and their experience Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like this intangible emotional thing that's hard to quantify but I think like when I talk to people they'll reference stuff in videos so I can tell they're watching um, you know, because the metrics won't exactly tell me that on the YouTube analytics and stuff, but that's the sense that I get. Mm-hmm. But then most of our subscribers on YouTube are either flower farmers or people that just, like you said, they love the follow along. Like, I just want to be part of this story. It's just really interesting. Like, what are you up to? What is blooming right now? How is the stand doing? Because we'll talk about how our sales are going or if like we're having a problem or we're trying to troubleshoot something you know, they'll be like, give us an update on X, Y, and Z, because we watched that video that you were trying to solve this problem and whatnot. And so, you know, these are people that like, don't even grow flowers. They're just like, I love this story. And I'm interested and I'm committed to what's going on in your life. And I like being a part of it. Mm -hmm. That's been, that's been YouTube for us. I make all of my sales and I do all of my marketing that puts money in my pocket with the flower sales on Facebook. That's, yeah, that's, that's where all that effort goes. Mm, that's, that's a good, I like how you break it down and how, you know, 
the different, I feel like I could just talk about marketing with you all day because you're like, you have it. So you're like, so tuned into your marketing and that's just like mwah, a beautiful thing for me. Yes, um, love it. <laughs> but the fact that, you know, like you have your different categories, like this is my Facebook people. This is who my YouTube people are. And this is who my Instagram people are. Cause they're not all the same. And you know, your, your people hang out in different places and you have different groups of people in different places. And you have to know what who is hanging out where and like different types of content are going to resonate with different those different people and I love that you're so tuned into all of that I think that's really cool so for anybody this, is a, so this like, is a perfect example this is a perfect example right now to what you're talking about like knowing where your audience is like yeah. a couple of days ago we're in Oklahoma so we get horrible storms so we had like 90 mile per hour wind storm came through and it completely destroyed our like pop-up shelter that we have by the flower stand and everyone that's our customer knows the pop-up tent they've stood under it and like the storm destroyed it i mean it looks like a broken spider on the ground it's so tragic and so i took a picture of it and posted it on facebook and made a joke about the storm and the reason that makes sense is because my three plus thousand followers on facebook all just went through that storm and everyone can talk about like i lost a tree or oh no we love that and like that's that post I'm never putting a broken pop-up tent picture in my Instagram main feed. Mm -hmm. Like when you scroll my Instagram, you're just going to see beautiful pictures of stylized flowers in my main feed. I'm not going to cross post like a broken tent. Like that yeah. wouldn't translate at all. So I can't just do like the auto post feature that way because the people on Instagram are like, this is ugly. Like, yeah. I'm not looking at a broken tent. I want to yeah. see like beautiful flowers. So that was like a perfect example of like paying attention to like who you're speaking to. That's such a good point. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you know that on Facebook, that's going to drive more conversation and like build engagement and get people talking because they had gone through something similar. I mean, you are, you're creating that little community aspect of it. I think that's so good. It's perfect. And like you said, on Instagram, people will be like, what is this? Why? Like, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> like, sorry about your tent. <laughs> yeah. It didn't even make my stories. I was just like, no one wants to see the tent. No one gets it. Right. Yeah. They don't need that. It's fine. No, but I mean, that's, that is like genuinely such a good point. So if there's people that are, you know, for people that are listening that are maybe like wanting to start a YouTube channel, what would be, do you have like a tip for them or just like a quick, like advice, piece of advice maybe for how to get started. And I'm just, the only reason I'm picking on YouTube is just because you are like probably the first person I've talked to that's like YouTube. So I'm like eager yes. to talk with you about it. <laughs> I think it's a, it's an obvious tip that could apply to like everything marketing that people just don't do. And it's the discipline to show up and do it. Like you, it's not going to grow to the numbers maybe that you want to be like monetized and like worth your time and stuff. If you're just like sporadically posting videos, like you post one and then three days later you post another and then you go dark for 11 days and then post another. I mean, it becomes disconnected to any sort of like attachment you're trying to build with your subscribers. If they don't feel like they can reliably consume your content or the story you're trying to tell that doesn't mean that like every thursday at 9 a.m you need to post a video because maybe that doesn't work like we don't have a set day that we post 
but we post a video every week so that there's at least that consistency of our subscribers know like at some point they're going to touch base with us of what's going on and there's going to be content if you're super sporadic just like with everything i think people just stop seeking you out because they're like there's no reliability mm-hmm. and so therefore i'm not as invested because i don't know when you're just gonna like show up and a part of it for me and you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this point while it not might not be purposeful i feel like when you're really inconsistent with social media you're kind of communicating that you don't care as much about the people that you're speaking to or that's consuming your content it's like they're either an afterthought or it's not like super important for you to update them and then they don't feel as connected or like a relationship there when you're just like you go dark for 11 days and people are gonna think like well, what are you doing what's going on what's more important did something happen or are you just like not actually producing that interesting of stuff so you have to go dark and then in that case you're just like well then why am i following you because there's nothing going on. You know, it's kind of like this silent communication that I think people are like unsubscribe or like move on. I want to find someone that I can like rely on to be invested in. Yeah, no, I mean, that's so true. And I think it's, I think you're right. Like it's, you're, you're building a relationship. I mean, that is social media. That is kind of the purpose of it. It's for community. It's for creating those connections. It's not just like some website that you're trying to sell stuff on. Um, and I mean, I know a lot of businesses use it that way, but you know, in order to, you know, people go on social media. I say this a million times, I feel like in so many episodes, but like people go on social media to be social and to, you know, get a break from their reality and their real life. And they want to, you know, see pretty things and, and just see behind the scenes of what other people are doing and, and things that are interesting to them. And if you are super inconsistent it's going to be harder for you to grow and it's hard to have those connections with people and to establish those relationships and to tell your story because people are going to forget about you in those like big gaps of time where you fall off. And that's not to say you shouldn't take like social media breaks. Like everybody needs like maybe a mental health day or something. And that's totally fine. But I think if you're going to take like a big gap of time, I mean, I've went on vacation and I thought to myself, like, I don't want to be on my phone all the time, like posting constantly what I'm doing. And I feel like there's ways around it. You can either just tell your followers like, Hey, I'm going on vacation. Like I'll talk to you guys in X amount of days and just communicate that with them that like, you probably won't hear from me for a while. And like, this is why. And I think that's perfectly fine. And then you can just not post if you want for, you know, seven straight days. And as long as you've communicated with them, like, this is where I'm going to be that way. It's not like a question. Like you didn't just fall off the face of the planet. And, um, that's something that, yeah, I think it's just really important is to communicate with them. And um, that's just, that's kind of the difference I feel like between somebody who is, you know, really wanting to take their business to the next level versus somebody who's is kind of just in like, I don't know, maybe that like rubs people the wrong way, but like side hustle mode is like, you're not- You're a hobby. Mm-hmm, you're not pouring, like it's important. I mean, social media is so important in any business aspect. And that's such a big part of business. And I think if you're not using it that way, then you're missing out and you're, you're, you're leaving out such a key element and and not communicating with those people is going to just hurt you more than, more than anything. So I think that's a really good point um, that you brought up. It can feel really hard to be disciplined early on when you don't have a lot of followers, because like you're talking to a small amount of people, you're not getting a lot of engagement. You feel a little bit like you're talking into the wind sort of thing, but like 
that consistently builds. Like we have, I think, if I had to guess, I think we have like 115 videos on YouTube now. So like we're a year and change into it. So that's how many we have in our, in our library. But I mean, like in the beginning, I was like excited for 200 views. I was like, oh my gosh, I was so excited. And we were diligently like one or two videos a week. And it was like 200 views, 300 views. And now we post once a week and like at a minimum, we're in the low thousands to like mid. And then we have some that are in the like 11s, 12s. But like, I didn't launch that way. So like you did have to like in a disciplined way, like push through the awkwardness of like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to post these videos. Or I'm going to do this story. I'm going to do this reel. And, you know, it might be like my mom and her friends that respond. But like now I have this whole catalog and I have all these followers because of showing up. And I think a lot of the newbies, especially in the flower farming world, like it feels awkward. And so they just don't show up and then it doesn't translate. Like it just kind of fizzles out because you were the super sporadic, awkward poster when you were at small numbers, you don't get to the big numbers. Oh, that's so true. It's yeah. It's being able to, like you said, push past that awkwardness of like, oh, nobody's watching. Like, you know, it's you're not going to be a one hit wonder right off the bat. Um, you know, you need to put in that time and that effort and be willing to have no one watch your videos for a while. And I mean, eventually I think consistency really does pay off and you learn from it. You know, you'll, you'll post 10 videos and maybe one of them starts to do better. Maybe one of them gets a hundred views and then you have to use that to be like, okay, what, what about that video is different? Why did people watch this video and not the other ones? And then you, you use that and you keep using those same tactics and you grow and you learn and that's kind of the fun of marketing. And that's just maybe me as a marketing nerd where I just love like learning new things and like, oh, what's working? Why why do people like this and not this or whatever? But, um, and that's like my creative brain too, I guess. But I don't know. I feel like I could just talk about that forever. <laughs> and that's a good point. That's a good point you make too, of like when you do show up a lot and you are observational of like what content is resonating you can pivot and you can make changes. And I imagine since you've been doing this longer than I have, like how you started is not where you're at now because you've made a lot of changes and adjustments. And like when we started our YouTube channel, we thought it was going to be more like, like vloggy, like a little more informal, like tell you all the random things. Like I'm making hoops today or I'm harvesting zucchinis, like whatever. Like it was just like a follow along. But then we realized our big videos were very flower farming centric. Those were like our big numbers. And then we were like, okay, well, that's what people are interested in. I mean, you know, we grow a lot of vegetables and I do a lot of preserving and like we have a big raised garden and stuff. And people are like, cool, don't care. I have other YouTube channels for that. Tell us about this like flower farm that you're trying to build. Like what does a first year flower farm look like? Or what is it, you know, what does second year look like? And so we've completely pivoted in the sense of like our video content is just flower farming related it's not again like educational exclusively but it's like I'm just showing you the flower farming side of my life I'm not showing like all the other stuff that I'm doing because our numbers told me that's the direction to go in but it took you know the showing up the trying the posting different things to find out like which story that I can tell is most interesting to people and it was the flowers mm -hmm. and it's it's cool because it's you know, at first you're, you're kind of just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Cause you're like, okay, I'm just going to try different things and see what happens. But yeah. your audience tells you what they want to see more of, you know, they, they literally tell you if you're one of those people that you're like, I don't know what to make. I don't know what content I'm out of content ideas. 
your people will tell you what they want more of. And sometimes it's like completely different than what you thought. You know, you, you in your head might think like, I'm going to make content about this. I mean, even with this podcast, I, you know, started it with the full intention of making it just marketing and business and like whatever. Some of my best episodes are about like motherhood and just my lifestyle and just like random things that I'm like, this had nothing to do with business at all, but it has like a ton of you or listens on it and, and, you know, and some guest interviews and things like that. But it's crazy. Like people, so I've kind of started to pivot too in a direction where I'm like, it, like intertwining like business and lifestyle and just kind of bringing motherhood into it because my people have told me that's what they want more of. And I'm like, okay, this isn't what go. I had originally thought for this, but here we go. We're going to lean more into this because that's, yeah. that's clearly what they want. And so, um, yeah, I feel like you have to not push against it. I think some people don't always necessarily want to do it. They think like, oh, they need this content though. Like, this is what I want to make. And, you know, I don't care if that's what they're telling me, like, I'm going to just force them to want this. And, you can do that all you want, but if you lean into it, it's going to make yeah. your life a lot easier if you just go with what the people want want to see. Do what the people want. Another thing that I noticed, because I, I observe a lot of like first and second year flower farmers because they're either like my competition or kind of like my colleagues in the sense of like, you know, I can't relate yet to like the year five farm and like all the problems they're having and stuff. And a big thing I see with like my peers, if you will, is like the not showing up because I think they just, the content, I'm sure you talked about this, like the content production, like figuring out what to post. I feel like so many of them get in their head and think they don't have anything to post because it's like not good enough or it's too messy or it's not interesting or I already did, did something like that or I just don't like being on social media, like whatever the excuse. And that's such a barrier is such a barrier. It's just like, you should be able, if you're doing something that is worth asking people money for, or it's interesting, you should be able to come up with like one photo a day yep. to share about that. And like, mm. no, that some of my video, my pictures are like much more like professional with a filter, with a beautiful sunrise and the flowers. And it's just like, whoa. And the other days are like a picture of a bucket that I spilled, like after I harvested a bunch of flowers and then it you know fell over. And it was a story about like, don't yeah. you have days like this or da, da, da. And it's like, well, like, just post it. Like, don't overthink that like, no one cares about this or I don't know. Or like, mm. you know, in our flower cottage where I process everything, it's like, I don't sweep the floor every day. I don't have time for that. That's not making me money. I don't have time. I'll deal with it once a week. And I'll take pictures and you can see the messy floor behind it. And I think a lot of people are like, well, I didn't post it because you could see the mess or I need to clean it up first and like hyper stylize it. And it's like, I think when you hyper stylize things, like people pick up on that. There's like, everything has a blurred background or like everything is like this filter. And then you kind of ask yourself like, what are they hiding? Like, why is this always like super edited? It's sometimes it's just like post a picture of the messy floor. Don't acknowledge it. Talk about what the post was supposed to be intended. And it's a real picture. It's a real snapshot of your life keep it moving. There's your Thursday post. Yep. We didn't have to overthink it. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. And I'm kind of chuckling because I'm like, yeah, girl, unfiltered life as I'm sitting here with this like filtered background because my house is a disaster. <laughs> <behind me. laughs> I say that. I don't show time. all my disasters. I don't show them all. <laughs> I'm like all about it. I like decorated my office so pretty like in front of me so I can look at prettiness. But then I'm like, oh, everybody that I talk to would see like right. the absolute chaos happening behind me. That's so funny. 
make it less of it. I don't post any bug pictures. I don't get that real on my channel because I don't feel like anyone like truly wants to see the horror that is the reality. So I don't do bugs. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I had to chuckle with that, but it's true. It's I mean, I agree, like show, show up. And I mean, I think it's, you can have a blend. Like if you're the type of person that you just, yeah can't not have the like aesthetically like, you want everything to be pretty I mean I think you can have that mix of both like you can have some pretty styled photos but then show the real life too like bring bring people into both because yes people like the pretty styled photos but people connect with the messy and the real life and and all of that so I think it's good to have kind of that or put like the styles in the main feed and then yeah. like the behind the scenes and the stories and then like it doesn't have to live forever more on your main post it, section it goes away like, after 24 hours yeah exactly. <laughs> it's true so true oh my gosh well that's so awesome I love it um okay so I want to just ask you at least well I have two more questions but one is for anybody listening who is like maybe just wanting to not necessarily even start a flower farm maybe maybe start a flower farm but just wants to grow some flowers because I'm kind of inspired. I'm like, maybe I'll grow some flowers. <laughs> How? What kind of tips? You got some tips for us who are not green thumbs, quotation marks. Yeah. Um, where do we, how do we start? So it's kind of, it's like almost the same answer with the branding. It's like, you have to show up. Like 90% of the problems that people have with growing things is they just don't water the plant or they don't pay attention to the plant. Like if you want beautiful flowers, you don't go on the 10 day vacay and never think about it and then be confused why it's dead. I mean, it's, it can't be one of those things where you're like, you know, I'll see sometimes on gardening channels where they're like, I want something that is low maintenance, water, like drought tolerant and blooms four seasons a year, you know, all year. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, that's not a, like, it's not a, like a lamp. Like you have, it's a yeah. living thing. So I think the biggest issue is like just the diligence to like put your eyes on it every day. Like, does it need water? Do you need to like deadhead it? Which means like the bloom is done. You want to cut it off so that the plant keeps giving you more flowers and doesn't try to go to seed, which basically kind of like kills the plant in a sense. It thinks it's done. It's like, do I need to cut off some spent blooms? Do I need to fertilize it? Like your eyes are on it, just like your social media, like your eyes are on it every day. And then you can care for a problem if something's coming up instead of like, I watered it Monday and then I like, oh yeah, check on it Thursday. And then people feel defeated and think they have a green brown thumb and I would say like nine out of ten times it's just a focus problem it's not like a magical botany knowledge of yeah. to, to grow things that's a good point I mean yeah just being willing to stick with it and and to show I yeah. like that show up every day show up for your plants I'm gonna go water some yeah. plants after this conversation <laughs> and I do have videos so like I said about the educational stuff like the videos on our YouTube channel they're not just like so niche down for flower farmers like I have lots of videos where it's like everything we grow and I talk about like these are great in heat humidity or like these are great to direct so you don't need to start seeds inside which is like another level up like you want to buy the seed packet at Lowe's and try to grow some flowers like I talk about which ones I would start with and stuff so we do have some like good beginner I want a cutting garden size endeavor we, I talk about that and like what are the easy guys to start with oh perfect okay well I'm gonna have you drop yeah. all of your social media channels but first before we get to that yeah. My last question that I ask everybody or I try to when I remember uh, is what is the last thing that you Googled? It is super 
flower farming specific, and it is how to treat bacterial leaf spot on zinnias. There you go. <laughs> most of my searches are like, what is this bug? And what is, what is this problem <laughs> with the pictures? Like, how do I solve SOS. it? It's like most of what I Google of like, what is this horrific prehistoric bug I've come across and how do I kill it? Yeah. Or like, what's go this? Away. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's usually, yeah, that's, that's what it is, is I was dealing with a zinnia problem in the humidity, they get fungal diseases and stuff. And so trying to figure out how to, to kill that. Super gross. Yeah. I'm like, I, I mean, I, I love the answer. I hate the bugs, not a bug person. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. We get some wild bugs here too. I mean, luckily it snows here. I mean, I say luckily snow's not my favorite thing ever, but that at least we have like a season of the year where the bugs go away. Like just the other day, I think I killed like five spiders in my house and I was like, I'm ready for it to start snowing. So the spiders all die. <laughs> I'm, like burn it down. Yeah. Burn the house down. We can't yeah, live here yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So fun. Well, Alex, I literally feel like I could talk to you forever, but yeah. I won't keep you. This has been so great. I, I love yeah. hearing all of your um, marketing tactics and just strategies. And I mean, picking your brain is just so interesting and you have such a unique business and it really is such a pretty, like very tell sounding business. I mean, it's it like you said, like getting to just be surrounded by flowers. I know it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but, um, that's such a, what a pretty, pretty thing to see all day long. Just all these yeah. pretty flowers. So no complaints, no complaints. <laughs> yeah, definitely. People definitely have to go check you out on social media so they can see what you're all about. Um, so do you want to drop your social media handles, links where people can find you yeah. out with you, all the things? So I didn't, I didn't say this in the beginning and this probably totally breaks so many marketing rules, but our farm name is in Latin. So like sometimes people are like, what is this? What does it mean? But it's Corum Deo Farm and it's Latin for before the face of God. And it's a theological concept to say like everything that we do is in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and to the glory of God. And so like, that's why we chose that name, because everything we're trying to do in stewarding his creation with flowers is for his glory and under his authority. And so we went with that name. And so even though I have to spell it a lot and explain it, I think it's a wonderful talking point. And sometimes people Google it. And so I think that's that's a wonderful element of it. But it's Quorum Deo Form. And you can find us at that handle, Cormdale Flowers, Cormdale Form. It's such a unique name that I don't have a lot of competition for like crossover accounts, but it's the same across YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And I'll drop all the links and down. follow along. I'll, yeah, I'll put all the links in show notes and descriptions and things like that. But oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, that was actually a question I meant to ask you too, was because I was reading it and I'm like, that's not like a last name. So I was like wondering where that yeah. came from, but oh, I got like chills when you were explaining it. That's like such a beautiful, oh, it's just beautiful. I love that. Um, Thank you. you. I just, yeah, I, I love talking to you and, and getting to learn about your story and your family and um, just kind of gracing the surface, but it's, it's really been so cool to learn a little bit more about what you guys do. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. You've just finished another episode of the Every Successful Rancher podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Every Successful Rancher and join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. For the mega fans of the show or anyone wanting to show support, you can join our Patreon and get early released episodes as well as listen ad free. The link will be in the episode description. 
If you like what you heard, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. One minute of your time can be a game changer for the show. Plus, it helps other amazing rural women find us and join the party. If you would like to sponsor or advertise your business on Every Successful Rancher, please head to sarahelrod.com slash sponsor ESR for more information. Thanks again for being here, and I'll talk with you in the next one.